Welcome into another episode of Scurry and the Scrub. I am Jordan Scurry here with my man, the Scrub, Matt DeMarinas, uh, here for another, you know, Big East weekend review. Uh, excited to talk about this week, I think. Matt and I have some conflicting, you know, I think takes on the Big East at this point. I, I Maybe. We'll see. I guess we're going to flesh that one out today. Uh, but happy to be back here, you know, chop it up about some Big East basketball. We got a good Jays win, so... My spirits are always high, you know, coming into these, especially after the Jays have won. So, Matt, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking if you just called me this. I mean, I'm sorry. Scrub, yeah, scrub. Yeah, how are yeah. you doing? There you go. Uh, scrub, what's up, man? No, I think it's okay. It's good that you have conflicting thoughts because we have – that's the whole dynamic here is, like, if we were solo doing – if we are doing solo podcasts, yeah, you, know, you can't have conflicting thoughts. You got to just come out with it. Uh, of course. But, see, you can be conflicted. I can be conflicted, and we can just, like – find a way around that together yeah but i feel like sometimes we are we're on the same page like more often than not with things like relating to jays or big east basketball like we're on the same page but i think now we're at a point especially at this point in the season too uh because i think this is a weird part in the season so is it we'll see is we'll see be, yeah is this, this one starts to feel weird a little bit it's not yet like it's not yet like february march time but it's like still important games kind of thing well, I just think this is still that the, the po- a point in the season where like teams could really make a run, like, and become like, like solidified or more of like the top tier, like we were talking about before. Like we were kind of separating it to that top four and whatnot. I think this is like the last for teams like that are like kind of in the middle right now, or teams that are just at the bottom. This is the last chance to like make a push. I think for real. Uh, to even have some type of identity. Because if, if if you can't make a push, if you haven't done anything by now, I think it's a little bit over for you. But, hey, we'll see. I think so, this is, like, a crucial last, like, little month of the year. This, like, last February stretch until, obviously, conference play. I mean, like, tournament play. So what's the first thing that you're conflicted about coming into this this uh, episode? What is our, like, fifth Big East Week interview? What's – What's the first thing on your mind that you're no that it's, you're wondering? It's, George, it's it's your Georgetown take. Your My take Georgetown take. Okay. Yep. Okay. So do so I have to, do I have to lay that out for you to react to, or do you just want to tell me how you feel? About I don't know. What's I? I don't know because like I don't want to. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent. Speaking about like the worst team in the conference right now. Here's the. Um, you, know, since, you know what? Since you already just said that out loud, I'm gonna just let you tell me what you think of Georgetown, and then. I'm going to react to that with my opinion of Georgetown. I just think defensively, man, they just, they have no, I see no want. Like when they even, and I know they were playing Nova. So like that was one of the games that I think I texted you during was just saying like, wow, Georgetown is, looks like I, they didn't, they just look far, far removed from the team that beat Creighton in the Big East tournament last year. And maybe I'm off. Maybe it's just, they played, this way like somewhat last year and I just wasn't tuned in but like last year I was even high on them I said at the beginning of the year last year that hey they had they were sneaky this year I I see no sneaky in them I don't see any defensive like will want to stop guys they they just don't have it and I thought they would like coming into coming off of that biggest championship I mean like biggest tournament championship I don't know maybe I'm wrong maybe it's too many guys in and out of there that I'm not like, I guess, really like locked into, but I don't know, man. I just, it's hard for me to believe they are going to win a game watching them play. 
Okay, well, I'm going to disagree because I kind of see Patrick Ewing doing the same thing he's done through the first, like, what year is he at Georgetown now? Is this his fourth? When was his first year? I think your junior year. year. I think your junior year was his first year, right? Yep. Yeah, so this is year four. Um, So, uh, yeah, I honestly think that what's missing for them is on the defensive end, too, because I think they can score just fine. Uh, But I also don't think they should be, like, I don't know, stout defensively yet. Because here's the thing. You know, you're, you're, you made comparisons to, like, how they were at their best last year. But they lost, like, Javon Blair, Jamarco Pickett, Kudis Wahab transferred to Maryland. Right. I mean, those were their top three uh, producers from, I don't even know, pick a, pick a category. You know what I mean? So there's a little bit of an of a identity shift for them, Role, cha- roles changing. Like, Aminu Muhammad's a freshman uh, – I just lost his name now. I can't think of the point guard's name. Harris, Dante Harris, uh, MLP from the Big East tournament last year. He's just a sophomore. Um, I think, like, I was, you know, looking at the Providence game, and it's like three or four of their top seven are, like, you know, freshmen and sophomores. So they're young. Like, they're – Okay, yeah. I'm I'm not expecting much out of them this year, but I'm seeing, like, them getting better. I watched them play San Diego State this year, and that game was a nightmare. I'm like, oh my god, this team is really bad. And I and I and I just and then this week, you know, I mean, they got run by St. John's two weeks ago, so maybe this week is just like a small sample size where they just they played to their potential, still fell short. And I'm not seeing the forest for the trees, uh, but like, I don't know. I watched them. It was funny because you texted me like Georgetown is so bad. And then I was following the timeline too, and I'm like, "There's just a bunch of Georgetown is trash." You ain't got to be fired. Tweets, you know what I mean? And then like I'm watching the game, and I'm like, and then before I knew it, they were up at halftime on Villanova, and I'm like, "See, that's kind of like what Georgetown does to people. They just, I think they get them over their skis a little bit on just a quick reaction, and they make some kind of stupid run over a five minute period that just changes the way you feel about them." I, I think they're talented, and I think Patrick Ewing is a good coach. I think he can recruit, certainly, and I think he can develop talent. Um, maybe the in-game coaching isn't 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 sharp yet, but I still have faith in, like, what they're doing. I just think they need they need to find some stability. The, the problem with them the whole time has been, you know, the roster attrition. Like, they keep losing talented players to transfers. Like, they're not just talented players, but, like, they're top yeah. – guys you know what i mean like there's not any cohesion there so i think if they were to finally ever get one of those talented recruiting classes to kind of stick together for a year or two um you know before jumping off to the nba or something like that because they have been recruiting some pretty talented next level type players i think they could you know compete for the top half of the league and and be one of those dangerous teams and i just think right now they're making they're getting i think they're better now than they were like every every time I watch them, they look better than the last time. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, well, he might be doing it again. Like he might be, because remember last year they were bad too. They really struggled out of the gate. After they had COVID pauses early. I don't. Think, I think they were like the last team, maybe besides DePaul, to start playing their games last season. 
And then they went through like a three week pause and they came out of that thing. And it's all of a sudden, like they beat Creighton on the road. They whooped Xavier. Uh, like they just turned into this team that you didn't want to mess with. And then they got to the big East tournament, went four games in four days, beat Nova, beat Seton Hall, beat Creighton. Like that was nothing to sneeze at there, you know? So I think I'm just seeing some improvement right now that I think is consistent with what they've done through these first four years of the Ewing era where they just get better as the season goes on. So I understand the record isn't where they want it to be. And I understand there's not, they haven't really taken that NCAA tournament momentum they had last year and use it as a launching pad. But I also know that they have young players. I know their best players right now are underclassmen, except for Caden Rice. Caden Rice is the only like guy that they play through offensively that isn't going to be back next year. And to me, I'm like, right. all right, well, that I think you can work with that. Like, I think that's something to, that's a building, that's a building block in my opinion. It's not like a, it's not like a last, you know, oh boy, he better win with this group or it's over. Like, I think there's pieces right. there that he can win with. Right. And I think you, ultimately, I think you're right, especially in terms of like, it's probably the same process that got them to the team that they had last year i think i'm just more so reacting to not have them not having any carryover from just the Mm -hmm. momentum they had going last year and i'm wrong to i guess even assume that they should have any because there's none of those guys are really back i just thought there might have been i don't know some energy around georgetown that was like you know we can be back in the big east like swing of things for as, as long as we need now, like, because we have some momentum. And I, I, I just think that they're, that realistically just didn't happen. And I don't know why I thought it to happen. I just thought, I guess maybe they would have had that identity being like, okay, we know we can score the ball, but defensively, as long as we, because they were at their best when their guards were just scrappy last year, mm-hmm. stopping the ball. And I think that's just always been when Georgetown is good. Uh, and I thought they might carry that over into this year, but it does not seem to be so, so low confidence on them still i hear you i think they got some fight to them though i just think their fight is like more in the you know when young players think of like fighting back they think of like oh they got me so i gotta go get a bucket on them and they don't quite understand how to like string stops together and control the game defensively that's where i see them right now i see them having yeah that's i see them really struggling to change the game on the defensive end of the floor and that's kind of like where championship teams make that jump is like when you start to be able to put together stretches of a game where you can put a team on ice and then let your offense flow off of that. That's where you make a big jump in your success level, start to string winning streaks together, start to play, you know, for conference titles and whatnot. They're not there yet, but I also don't know. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm interested because like this is year four of Patrick Ewing, right? So I bet that Georgetown fans and followers of the program probably were because they're kind of like treading where they were supposed to be right now. They were supposed to be 10th in this league. Right. And you could probably make the argument they're worse than that by a spot because right now DePaul looks probably a little bit ahead of them. Um, But I don't know. Like, I just I just think that 11th in this league means a little bit different than 11th in like the ACC or something. I think that Georgetown's no, and I, I definitely agree with that. I think they're scrappy. Like I just, I, I think you better, like I just think if you think you can roll the ball out and get two wins against Georgetown this year, I think that's like, that's not going to be the case. Cause I think 
I don't know. I just think they have a little bit more talent and toughness to them. It's just not clicking yet. And I, and I don't know if it will this year, but I think they're going to get better as the year goes on. And I think that's kind of Ewing's um, calling card right now is his teams usually play better in February and March than they do in December and January. So we'll see if that continues. If they don't, if they, if they don't get better at the end, second half of the season, then we'll lean back right. to this conversation and, and, that's, and I'll be like, you're right. And kind of what, even going back to how I was leading this off, like that's why I've, I've, I've said like a lot, like from what I've seen thus far, like I have little confidence, I think in them to like believe they will do anything like really and get from where they are at the bottom of the conference. But this is like the, I think month span that you can prove me wrong. I think any team can prove themselves like a better team than they really are in this just little span here. So. We'll see if they can get going. I don't. I don't know. We'll see how it shakes out. Let's see what their schedule looks like coming up because maybe that yeah. helps us a little bit too. I mean, they just—they already lost to Butler at home, so they've lost five, six. That's games, the other six game. games in a row. So yeah, so I that, thought. I thought DePaul. Speaking of Butler, I thought. <laughs> I thought Butler was really going to uh, try to prove you uh, right there uh, at Providence. I mean, against Providence. Uh, that game, they oh, they were yeah, they were going they, they were going they were right? yeah they were going on all full Matt Marinas strength that they heard you were rooting for them at the beginning of the year, and that game they were trying to make you proud they couldn't pull it off but they were trying yeah so Georgetown has at UConn at Butler then they're home against Seton Hall Providence and they're at DePaul home against Great I mean God, there just isn't easy like stretches in this league I just don't know if they're gonna they're Anybody they beat is probably going to be a surprise at this point. I don't really see a path for them to, like, get some momentum going. But if you told me that they walked into Hinkle and beat Butler and then, like, even beat, like, a team that struggles defensively like Seton Hall at home. And then the Providence game that was just on the road, like, that was a – that wasn't a – like, Providence didn't run them over. That was a game. Providence had to, like, close that out late. So, if you told me that they're going to go into Hinkle, I don't expect them to beat UConn. Because they weren't even close, even at their best last year, they weren't. They were in UConn, like mm-hmm. UConn killed them. Um, but if they go to Hinkle and win, I wouldn't be shocked. And if they held serve against U- uh, Seton Hall and Providence, like I think that would change people's opinion of, you know, where they're headed. Maybe I'm I'll wrong, say they win. I'll like, say they win. They win. I say they win at Hinkle, and they'll maybe sneak one off against St. John's. But that's yeah, that's about all I can. But if, at this point. Maybe, maybe sneak one Seton right. Hall, maybe sneak a Seton Hall. But if all they get in the next five games is like winning at DePaul or even like beating Creighton at home, I don't think that'll be enough to change your opinion or most people's opinion either too. No. So, yeah. They got to win some games eventually. They haven't won since December 15th. So they're going on more than a month now of since that's a, not, that's a tough place to be. You never want to yeah, be there. Exactly. Like not not having won a game for a long time, it's it, it's not a good feeling. Because that bleeds into your preparation too, doesn't it? Because you oh yeah, you know you show up every day and you're just like, you know, here's two more. I hours mean, you try you try to stay away from that. You try to stay away from falling into that because you try to just you know believe in like your your. Like that, your focus is like paying off, and that yeah. like you got to just stay on that regimen, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, it definitely gets tough when you're when you string losses back. And you're like, man, what can I fix? Like, which the little things you focus more on? Like, what can I tweak? What can I tweak? Yeah. And then you start to 
sometimes I've, I found myself like working into a place of like overthinking in, the, in those times. So it's like, you never want to be there. Yeah. Never want to be there. You want to know what works. The one thing that I think might help them in practice this week is the fact that they looked better against Providence and Nova than they did against Butler and St. John's and Marquette. Like the first three yeah. of those five losses since they came out of that pause mm. were not really competitive. Like Marquette, mm. St. John's, and Butler both like they beat the brakes off them. Providence and Georgetown didn't. So, or Providence Villanova, excuse me, did not. So maybe they can like take that as some kind of confidence boost and be like, well, look, you know, Providence and Villanova might arguably be the two you know, one and two in the league so far. So if we can hang with them, you know, Butler, Seton Hall and Providence at home, maybe that's, maybe that should give us some confidence that we can, you know, get one or two of those maybe. Yeah. That's kind of, I don't know. Maybe. maybe, that's maybe very, am I reaching? I, I don't know. For, for this, for the scrub of the podcast, it's a very optimistic viewpoint, you know, like yeah. usually this, I feel like the scrub comes from a very negative point, but Hey, you seem to have some, some optimism for the guys and over there at Georgetown. So hey, I'll I'll, I'll rock with it. I'll rock with it. I mean, I like. We'll see. I, I'm a Rocky fan at heart, so I like I, I I like to find an underdog that I think has some fight to him. And I just I don't know why it's why it's Georgetown. So, yeah, okay, I, know, I think it's Georgetown. All right. Yeah. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I hope they don't make. I hope they don't do like Butler, where you were all like, yeah. yeah. No, they I had to. I had to abandon the ship already, huh? Yeah, yeah. You had to jump off the Butler one, Butler ship, and now uh, you might have to jump off Georgetown. But we'll see. We'll see. The thing with Butler is, I figured they would have started winning games by now. Like, I don't know. Mm. With, with see, the thing with them is, like, I'm not sure. They're they're starting to get healthy, but I'm not really sure, like, why they haven't mm. picked it up yet. Mm. Like, yeah. they're, too, they're too experienced to be running through January like winless, right? What's the last? They beat George. Yeah, what is Butler's last? I mean, they're two and six in the league, and their wins over. Yeah, they're two and six in the league, and their wins are a four point win at home over DePaul, and then they beat Georgetown on the road. Like so, they, they their only wins are the two worst teams in the league. Yeah, and I mean, I, as I'm talking this mess right now, they'll probably like beat Creighton on Wednesday. So like, you know, that's just how it goes. But right. I don't know. I figured they would Come be better. I figured they'd be better by now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think those like them anymore. Those are the two teams I think we definitely uh, had. I, I was skeptical over at the beginning of the year, and you 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 kind of were leaning on the leaning on to Butler, but like I don't know. I was I was heavy. Both of them, both of them. Now I just can't because I I think Butler was Butler was a good. I think you picked Butler for the same reason I picked Georgetown last year. Cause it was like that. This was like the year that was all supposed to come together. Like they have that experience. They have like the like guys like on paper, it looks right. But mm-hmm. I think the way, the way this year is planning out, it's just really who it's, it, it's who's, I mean, the deepest, like, I guess yeah. at the top, like, like well, in, in who's got the most dudes. Cause it's January 24th. Like, yeah, I can't be, I can't be looking for, you know, no, the hidden on switch somewhere like you have to already have shown it by now, right? And that's what I'm thinking, man. And that's late, what I think as, about as this as, time. as February comes closer, like that win for Butler at Oklahoma gets further and further in the review mirror. And I'm like, okay, yeah, when are you gonna do that to somebody in the big east that you're not supposed to do it mm-hmm. to? You know, like, yeah, you, like you're supposed to possess that, yeah, same ability in conference play. 
And when you don't, that's I think that's underperforming thing. Because that, that's, that's, that's the thing. Because they got wrecked at UConn, right? And then they mm-hmm. turned around and played them two days later at Hinkle. So they got wrecked on the road, which I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, you shouldn't. That's not a game you circle on the schedule and go win at UConn, right? Right. But, but at the in the home game, they got them two days later at Hinkle, and they were you know playing. I don't know their style of basketball. They were imposing their style of basketball in the first half. And then, like, UConn immediately punched them in the face, like, right in the second half to take the lead. And the game only got more lopsided as it went. Like, they ended up getting run off the court at Hinkle when they were – I mean, like, you just, that just that team just wrecked you two days ago. Why are you not ready for what they're throwing at you, you know? So, I'm just seeing less and less. Maybe they're just not capable of it anymore because I would expect a team that's as experienced as Butler to respond better than they did. And, and then as I look at the body of work, I'm like, okay, they did get that win over Oklahoma, but that's just too far in the review mirror now. And their only wins in league are over DePaul, which was a game that could have gone either way at, Hin- at Hinkle. Um, and then DePaul didn't even have David Jones for that game, so they were shorthanded. And then they beat Georgetown on the road, who probably looks like the worst team in the league right now by a significant stretch, at least, because St. John's wrecked them and, you know, they just haven't won in over a month. So, I don't know. There's not a lot to like about the way Butler's playing right now. I don't. I don't want to eat those. I don't want to eat those words on Wednesday. But that's just how it looks. No, you're right. And I, I don't want people to listen to this and it just sound like we're spending the episode just bashing Big East teams. But oh, we'll I be, like. Yeah, we'll, we'll I'm glad. That. No, but I'm just. I'm glad we can relate. Like and just talk on this, just because. It's just the league. It, it is a league where you have to have such high expectations for. Like your team has to like you got to bring a squad to like play every night if you really want to be a contender in this league. And I think we're just calling out the teams that I guess we're seeing. It's, it's just, to me, it's just teams with no type of like consistency, no identity at all, I guess is what I'm, I'm summing it up to be really. And I've, I've, I've just been in the league where there's years where we've had four or five teams go to the tournament and the league was like, even outside of those teams were still competitive. There's teams on always on the bubble. So it's just like the, the league does have the ability to send like up to seven teams like deep into the tournament because it's that like competitive. And so, yeah, no, nah, we got to just, we got to keep it real. That's what we do here. So we got to call out these teams that, you know, I am because I think the other part is I, it, it's, even with Creighton, right? Because like use with with Georgetown and their rebuilding, like they're young, right? But with Creighton, it's like these guys you can tell defensively are more connected now, like than they were at the beginning of the year, and actually are focused on getting stops. And like even Ryan's developed more as a shot blocker, and defensively they like know they have an anchor. Guys know which wrist they can take, know the angles like to cut out. Like I guess. That's just like, I guess, the expectation I was trying to hold Georgetown or a Butler to. And, hey, maybe maybe I'm just being biased. Maybe I'm not, but I'm just calling out what I see. And so well, I thought they could. Because, well, there are, there, are, there are probably going to be seven teams. Like, right now there might be six or seven oh, yeah. that are going to make it. We oh, just, yeah. We just thought, I think maybe both of us thought one of them in going into it would be Butler or Georgetown. And right yeah. now they look yeah. the furthest from it. Like there looks like a clear gap right now. And and to your point about like the identity of, you know, you watch Butler and you're like, what are you trying to do out here? 
You know, what is your I, best shot? What yeah. is your best shot? I don't all even I think see they know. Them right now is they want to control tempo. But in my I think they only want to control tempo because they know if the game gets up and down, they're not going to be able to keep up with it. So I, I don't yeah. think they're I don't think they're controlling tempo from like a this is where we can impose our our physical will on you, where it's like 60 possessions and we'll rebound better than you. We'll make shots tougher than you. We'll make tougher shots than you'll than you'll make like that used to be Butler's identity. Now I just think they're playing a slow tempo game and yeah. they don't, they don't rebound super well. They don't take smart shots. They don't hit tough shots. Like they don't take care of the rock. And then sometimes Aaron Thompson, who's a senior point guard, like a super senior point guard, he recognizes that. So he'll speed the game up and try to get going in transition and he'll make a play. And then someone will take a stupid shot and airball it. Like, they just are a mess from an identity standpoint. Yeah. The point where I don't even know how they want to play or or if they even know what their best option to win is. Like, so yeah, I just don't see it from them right now. And, I, and I'm surprised because they have too much experience to not really know what they're supposed to be doing, or at least make it to the viewer like they look like they're on the same page and are attacking with a purpose. You know what I mean? Right yeah. now, I just think they're trying to limit possessions because they know they can't play. Uh, you know, a 65 plus possession game with most of the teams in the league. That's, that's, that's different to me. That means like you're, if you're trying to control possessions like that, I think it means to me, I see, I interpret that as like, you know, you don't think you can hang with teams at 70 possessions plus. Uh, yeah, of course. Talent standpoint. Of course. So yeah. We'll well, see. I think it's, yeah, that's just a shot making standpoint. Like that's like, we just don't have enough guys to, make that uh, yeah. many shots like all right, we, we don't believe in our guy yeah definitely definitely that yeah so uh let's let's phase over to the hottest team in the country like i don't know maybe marquette six wins in a row since creighton probably since creighton yeah. clipped them in double ot in milwaukee like um wait what were your this, i never asked you what were your initial what were your, what was your initial reaction to my man like falling down getting up and knocking down that three for Marquette. I mean, I was surprised that Villanova didn't get called for like a flagrant foul because the, yeah. I mean, Caleb Daniels, like tried to like, you know, horse collar tackle the dude. And then, so Justin yeah. Lewis, like credit to him for being strong enough to just like stiff arm Caleb Daniels in what turned into a little football play there. He stiff armed Caleb Daniels to the floor, got up and just like hoisted a three and made it like, that dude, yeah, had a, like, that dude had a week, and that was kind of like the the like the the I don't know the exclamation point on it, you know, the cherry on for top sure. the game winner at Nova. Like you don't beat teams at the fin. That's just or you don't beat them at the fin. Yeah, that's not. What, that's not I what saw. They do. Did you see? I thought my favorite part of when I rewatched the replay was everyone's face in the back when he hit that shot. Like people were like screaming at the ground, like they were upset at the yeah. end because like that doesn't happen there but the focus it took my man to get up mm-hmm. and take that shot i was just like wow and from three he that's a big shot that was a huge shot huge shot because that's, that not, a big a, shot. that's not a part of his game that's like he's gotten better at it at it this year but i don't know if mm-hmm. i don't know if anybody saw him shooting 60 percent from three against nova and xavier this week that's like a different type of jump there yeah but i mean he was no, no, that was i mean 20 that was like the biggest and xavier and yeah like they got they got those two dubs that's big so 
They're for real. We need we need we, we needed to get Mike Breen on. We we, we would have had some serious like bang moments in the Big East this year between Alex O'Connell that one. There's there's been some good ones. Yeah, for sure. I mean, what Marquette's Marquette lost to Creighton after Creighton came off a two week layoff, and this is like your your people hate losing to Creighton to like a very 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 extreme degree because they had I'm telling they, you man since that happened they boat raced providence i mean kicked the shit out of them um one at nova at the fin not at wells fargo at the fin they won at nova uh they beat xavier pretty i mean i wouldn't say handily but like they were the better team on the floor for 40 minutes that's for sure uh that was no fluke and they've beaten seton hall i mean uh, seton hall fans are probably mad the way it went down but they that's a dub it's a win in the column so However you want to like, you can talk about controversies all day. Marquette got the dub. You got the L that's the way that went. They're, they're, they're stupid hot right now, man. They're just, they're just on fire. They look like the best team in the league right now. See you. Cause you know how, like before we were talking about, like we looked at the Paul schedule and then we just took that Georgetown schedule. See, I think there is some truth to what I'm saying about like the teams creating beating teams early in the year. The schedule makers know it too. Cause it's like whoever plays creating early in the year, gets beat into a win streak. They know it. Like, it's it's clearly a Big East coach's mindset to play Creighton early, get beat into your win streak early, and go from there. Because that's clearly what's happened with Marquette yeah. and Villanova. Yeah. Clearly. Yeah. Really happened. So, yeah. hey, I don't know what it was. I don't know if they went back and watched that film and figured something out. I don't know. But this seems to be a common theme. It's and you know what's funny is like if Marquette fans are daring to have delusions of grandeur about whether they can win the Big East or not, like here's the the next four games for them are at Seton Hall, who are like going to be like Badgers because of the way they lost the first game. Then they're at Providence again; they're going to be pissed off because of the way that mm. Marquette you know dog walked mm. them the first time. Then they get a rematch with Nova at home, and then they're at UConn. But after that, like after that, it's at Butler, Georgetown, at Creighton, Butler, DePaul, St. John's. You know what I mean? It's a softer landing. So yeah. I'm just saying right now they are, what, six and three in league? Yeah. And if, if, if it holds serve that, like, what was our prediction? That, like, five losses might get you in the, in the championship yeah. conversation, right? Yeah. If they go two and two – in the next four against Seton Hall, Providence, Nova, UConn. I, I know it's gonna be tough, but if they get to if they survive that 500, that landing is really soft. I have with Marquette, I have reason to believe they could do that. Yeah, I have reason to believe they the could the pull that off. Right now? Yeah, the yeah. way they're playing right now, for sure. For sure. They look like they don't care what anybody says about them. Like when I watch them, that's what I that, that's what I see. I, I see they they like if they would have heard me talk about they're the biggest roller coaster at the like in the big east i think they would have been like yeah we don't care we just hoop because that's what it looks like they're just like yeah no we're just hooping we're trying to win games just trying to pull this shit off in any way because that's what it looks like and they sometimes they do sometimes they don't like they they're just rolling the dice and so the roller coaster hey it's it's clearly on its way up right now we'll see we'll see if it goes down again (laughs) <laughs> that's true yeah but we'll see what happens out of this four game stretch because they're gonna start to run yeah. in. like there's that old saying like be careful how you treat the people on the way up right well they're mm-hmm. gonna run into 
four teams here that they haven't treated very nicely yeah. on the way up. So we'll see yeah. how. Like we'll see that there's the whole point where like eventually, the 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 target shifts to you. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can come up and sneak up on people yeah. when, when when you're hunting something, but then eventually, you become the hunted. Exactly, because it was like you weren't supposed to, like, because it was Marquette at first. It was like, oh, you weren't supposed to be good, and now you're good, and so it's like, oh no, now now the target's on your back. Mm -hmm. It wasn't you were just proving your that you were good. We everybody doubted that you would be good. You prove you're good now. Now it's coming for you, like different, coming for you different. So yes, it is like winning when you're winning when you're expected to win is a whole lot different than winning when you're expected to lose. Oh yeah. So we'll oh, see yeah. how they handle that because that's the next oh, yeah. phase. I think everybody's on the Marquette wagon now. They got into the AP top twenty-five. We don't like the AP poll in this on this podcast, but they're ranked yeah, now yeah. by the humans. The human voters ranked them, so they're in the top twenty-five. They got a nice little number next to their name. You know, they're getting some love. Justin Lewis was he wasn't just Big East Player of the Week. He was National Player of the Week. So like, yeah, I, I feel like the target is shifted now. Where where Marquette's got oh, yeah. their, they've gotten some respect, and the first game that they're gonna f- play after getting that getting their due is a Seton Hall team that feels like they should not have that they got a bad whistle at the end of their first matchup, and that's the reason they lost. Like they're gonna get that first in in New Jersey, then they're gonna go to Providence, a team that they absolutely just stomped. And I'm, and, they, and I'm glad you brought this up, a team that they beat at the buzzer. So like the next three are all gonna be teams that they've beaten already. And are going to have like some extra, extra pop to them to, you know, to make those losses right. And I'm glad you brought that up, too, because there is something to be said about having only like three games worth of Big East conference play film versus eight. Yeah. Yeah. Ten, eight, ten. Like there is so there's a crazy difference, I think, in just like because. Even not to give out secrets here, but like even looking back to our seasons, like we didn't roll out half the playbook until like conference play. Mm. Like there's there's certain sets we don't even use until conference play. Really, there's we don't even get into them. And then sometimes there'll be wrinkles that we throw into like like normal sets that would only happen. Some years it didn't even. Some years he wouldn't even throw that wrinkle in. Some years he would throw it in right before conference play. Sometimes we'd be in the middle of conference play. Like I think it's. That that that's something to consider too, just about how the second half of the I think the Big East season is gonna wind up because it's like once you realize what teams' real first and second second options are, and then you start taking those away, then it becomes like you're seeing the best teams, mm-hmm. you're seeing the depth really go, and you're seeing just like which guy like that's why it gets fun. So yeah, yeah, it'll be exciting. Yeah, it will be fun. I mean, Marquette, but credit to Marquette right now, though, man. They they they're on a roll. They're right? on it. They're on it. They they. I'm I, the Marquette roller coaster is going top speed right now. So yeah, they basically own the month of January. So we'll see if they can keep it keep it going. Yeah, they had the. Would you, would you call that the most impressive win of like the new year? Probably thus far, right? The win, in the the win in Nova. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Nova was yeah. Nova was probably in the right? country. Is there any other, has been any other upsets, even in the country? I'm just thinking, even out of Big East. I know we just Big East centric, but uh, I Miami, think that was Miami. Miami at Duke, maybe. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that happened a couple. Who of, else beat you? Florida State. Florida State. Beat yeah, Florida State beat them at home though. So uh, 
So oh, yeah, that's true. That happens in college basketball. Yeah. Miami win, Miami, I'll give it to Mar- winning at Duke, I think. And then, I'll give it to Marquette. Marquette. Yeah. I'll give it to Marquette. Most impressive college basketball win. Of the New yeah, no, I think there's a team that's like, that's probably, you know, in the, they're not like in that best team in the country type of conversation, but they're in probably yeah. the most surprising in a first year new head coach yeah. type of conversation, right? Like, no. In that in that Iowa State grouping with like yeah like yeah there we yeah. go that's a good that's yeah, a, I think I that's mean, a fair place thing, to put they weren't expecting that's a fair place yeah. yeah 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 so I think that's a fair 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 place to put them up there with, as impressive as like the Iowa States of the college basketball world right now mm-hmm. uh, freshman of the week this week was Trey Alexander Trey Alexander man <laughs> man made a Trey Alexander I'm so glad we talked. About, Sure, I'm so glad we like talked about that last week too. Just about if he could like establish himself and really get into the role because it was right on cue that it's like if he can consistently just like and now I'm just I have even more confidence in him like down the stretch because like I was saying, like he just seems like he wants to like play in those moments. And I think it's key too, and I was talking about this on the radio in pregame about him was he he plays so well for a freshman because he does like he's you could tell he's like, I just don't want to turn this ball over. Like he's not trying to do anything special when he's getting in the lane. He's not just trying to create. Yeah. He's not trying to be flashy. He's not. To, he's just trying to do the things that will keep him in the game. And that is just like, obviously, to positive, like create. Like what's the most positive thing you can do on the offensive end? Create shot for you or somebody else like that's open. And you could tell that's his mindset the second he touches the ball. And he's like being fundamental about it is strategic and not trying to turn it over. And I'm like, I love watching it because you can just tell like how much he's embracing it. So it's going to be fun. If he can keep that going, man, watch out, watch out. Cause it's going to be deep. That wing position. Don't let Alex that that's a three headed snake. You don't want that Alex Arthur and TA. Well, the thing that's interesting about it is that was kind of their Achilles heel for a minute was like their wing production isn't terribly consistent. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Alex O'Connell is producing, but who, who's like, yeah, Arthur who, was who, pretty inconsistent for a while. Yeah, Like who's going to help, who's going to help, you know, facilitate some more offense out of that position. And it's, you know, you look at the way he played and it doesn't take much to make an impact. Right. Like he didn't, he didn't, blow anybody out of the water statistically like 11 points 12 points it's a career high for him but it's not you know it's not like he had like a 25 piece on somebody you know but you see how much that matters because that's how much that's how much they've been missing just someone to come off the bench and get a few buckets make a few plays uh you know in the paint off the dribble for somebody else like and you kind of see his ability to do that so you wonder, like, that's the whole thing with – he did this in two home games now. Can he do it on the road? Because that's what the whole challenge for role players is. You always – role players play better at home. They have the energy of the crowd. You know, they especially just play off young of too. Else. Yes, especially young. So can he take that to Hinkle? You know what I mean? That'll be interesting because he's – it seems like he's figured some stuff out about how to be effective, ways to impact the game – other than just like finding an open three in the defense and knocking it down, you know, he's a little bit different. Like I yeah. think I'll, I saw a lot of comparisons to Tyshawn a little bit 
And I think I've made, I made some of those in the off season too, just from a defensive standpoint, I don't think their games are very similar offensively though. Like Ty was a, Ty was a no. just knockdown shooter from the jump. Like he was, that's where his yeah. game started, you know, almost began and end the whole time when he was young was he could just, he could just fill it up. Like Trey's a little mm. different, you know, he's, he's a really good ball handler. Um, he's strong enough to finish inside. I think like his, his strength offensively is just kind of, you know, letting Ryan Nemhart either play off the ball a little bit or get some minutes on the bench, get some rest where Trey can handle the one, handle the pressure, uh, run the offense, make smart decisions with the basketball, get downhill, get into the paint, make two foot plays and, you know, knock down an occasional three pointer uh, just when the ball's flowing and the defense is rotating. And then defensively, I mean, especially the one, his length is major. I mean, you just major the the fact that what he did to Jalen Terry is a headache um, at the one. He's a headache. He's a headache defensively at the one for sure. Yeah. Cause his length and his, his foot quickness, be able to stay with, stay in front of the ball. And then just like swipe at it, knock it away. Like when he gets mm. into traffic, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a weapon for Creighton um, to have a guy who can stay in front of shifty, quick, smaller ball handlers that, you know, that are key to opponents initiating offense and getting good shots. I mean, he, DePaul had 15 points in the second half and it felt like Tyshawn was Tyshawn and Ryan Kalkbrenner from the point of attack to the rim. It, I felt like it was like those two could have played two on five and DePaul wouldn't have gotten anything. Yeah. They were, they were that impactful. Oh, yeah. yeah, no. And I think even more so because Tyshawn was just – he had such a great knack for the ball, like defensively. He knew – and he just said – he understood angles so well. That's what made his anticipatory, like, skills were just very good defensively. But I think more so for Trey, it's just like he – offensively, I, I agree that he's just not the same um, as Tyshawn. Like, there, I think he is a knockdown shooter in his own respect, but, like, it's a very different way than Tyshawn was because Tyshawn was more of, like uh, – uh, I don't even know like what you want to call the difference in positions there, but like um, I see Trey as more of a wing com like wing combo where Ty is like a point like wing. I don't know. I don't even really know how you want to comp that, but either way um, I just thought that Trey did a really great job and credit to Huss too. Cause that the, the press was what brought that I think out of him where I was able to see like, Oh wow. Like he really is a headache when he's on ball that much. And he, like guys do struggle like very much. So to even get off, like just bounce passes to get by him in the half court or in the full court, excuse me. So I was just like, man, this dude, like if he can keep bringing this uh, and that's why I'm I'm glad you brought it up. Like I'll be interested to see how I can do it on the road, uh, especially like in Hinkle, which is just such a tough place to play, but Mm -hmm. I think I think it's just huge that if he can produce in like like we're saying, like it's not like no, nah, we don't need you to get 20, dog. Like just go out there, get 10, 12, like effective points, like crafty finishes around the basket when he drives, like because he's under control when he drives. So that's why his ability to finish is like outstanding for a freshman to me. And then just being able to knock down those shots when you get them, when you're open, like it's that's just like taking advantage of those moments is huge, especially as a freshman. And then the other thing to that is, you know, with uh, when Ty was a freshman, I felt like most of his, the way he needed to impact the game, especially playing with like 
you know, Marcus and Kyrie and gosh, I'm trying to think who else was like the main cog on that team besides those two. But it's like, you don't, you know, finding a role on a team that's got like a number one option defensively and a bucket getter already is a different type of, I don't know, ask, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. with Trey, I don't know, especially because the way, like the way that their skills are, like what their strengths are now at this point of their careers. Like I think right. Ty playing off of Marcus and Kyrie and like knocking down two or three threes in a game was huge Mm -hmm. with Trey. I feel like it's more like defensive rebounding, um, defending, uh, playing some minutes at the one to kind of alleviate some pressure off of Ryan Nemhard because he doesn't have Sharif Mitchell Mm -hmm. backing him up anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like the shot making is like a little bit further down the list than it was for Tyshawn. That's kind of what I like. You know, and the things you we all saw with Trey when we when we watched some preseason practices and you know things like that, mm-hmm. where man, he's got really good feel and patience, even in traffic. So when he gets into the paint, he doesn't get sped up. Like he can right, he's exactly. really well. He can find the the flip up to the big or the flip back across the court to the open wing, um, and he did that against St. John's right off the jump. That first yep. when Alex O'Connell started to rip the net in half, the first play uh was Trey Alexander driving to his right hand, getting into that just you know, right down to the lane, jump stop, pivot, kick back to O'Connell, who was trailing in transition on the left wing. Bang. Like that's easy stuff in Creighton's offense. If you can if you have somebody who can get downhill and just like slow down. See the floor. And be under control. Be under yep. control. Don't like immediately go up into a shot blocker or anything like that. Just like make a smart read. That that that's 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 a layup for O'Connell. That you know is. I mean? That's a layup yep. for a Hawkins. Yep. That's a layup for guys coming in transition. Um, and he made that. He like that play was the first one he made. And then defensively against DePaul, he changed the game in the second half because Jalen Terry in the first half, while DePaul wasn't lighting the you know, lighting up the scoreboard offensively, Jalen Terry was controlling the game in pick and rolls with just like, you know, getting to kill spots, finding players, you know, getting to his floater, that kind of thing. Trey Alexander like eliminated that. I mean, completely eliminated that dude did not get, if that dude got into the paint, it was a turnover in the second half because Ty was, or Trey was all over him. So uh, that's kind of like what, what, where his impact is like be a dog defensively, and then make smart plays off two feet downhill and everything else. I think re- and rebound the basketball, everything else I think just kind of takes care of itself. So it's I don't funny. know if that's like a good role to have as a freshman or not. Maybe he wants to be a bucket getter eventually, but I think right now his role is a little bit different than even ties was as a freshman. Yeah, definitely. But I, and I, and I think it's funny too, because with Trey, I noticed the growth just in his ability to guard ball screens. Like, and I know he I just know what drills he's been doing because I yeah. went, went through them the same ones. Right. And I'm just like, I know he's been like drilled with so many times him getting over under ball screens where his foot placement should be. And it's just like you can see it and you can see now he has a knack for it. And he's like, oh, I just need to be here and then I can set myself up to get this pass in the lane. 
and boom, we out in transition. And so credit to him for working. I know he's probably put time in on the defensive edge to try to like understand those things. Cause those are hard things. I think that don't, that, that go overlooked, like as a freshman, uh, like the little things just about being able to like know where you're supposed to be and what ball screen coverage and how to get from here to where you're supposed to guard your man next. Like, it's really like cool to see he's like, you know, progressed in that way and now has a knack for it. And it's kind of like finding his own. So the big East side, I think that big East player of the week is just like, you know, credit to that. So shout out Trey Alexander, man. And I wanted to ask you about Kaufman a little bit too, because. Oh yeah. <laughs> First his, of all, his, 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 his pro prospect line, lineup is that line. That I, didn't, I wasn't going to ask you about that, but I mean, you didn't want to talk about the, no, what was it? Not. The, it's... the 18, 10 and six, that one. No, not that one. You don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to get, you want to talk about that. I brought that up. League, league him, league, league him. him. <laughs> league him. No, I wanted, well, I mean, it's just because like, I know how much of a mark you are for, for Ryan Kaufman or so. I, the one thing I was curious about is how you felt about the way he, <clears throat> and I don't know if you can tie this into last year or not, because you weren't like, you know, you weren't in the gym, so you didn't know how, like how he felt about playing extended minutes or not, but it just mm-hmm. seems like that doesn't bother him as much. Like he's able to play through fatigue a lot better to the point where most of like his big time impact comes later in the game when you feel like he should be most tired but he's able to fight yeah. for offensive rebounds, really contest shots at the rim, play without fouling, block shots. Like, what do you feel like is is the key to him just being really effective, especially as later the game goes on, when he should be more tired? See, I, I, I'm i glad you brought this up because I know somebody has had – somebody in his life had to say to him, like, after watching – him all last year that if he just got in a little bit better shape like if he just got obviously a little bit stronger and that just comes with developing at his age and everything whatever but somebody if somebody said to him like if you just like get in a little bit better shape because of your size late in games the ball will just end up in your hands and you will be able to finish it because of your ability to rebound the basketball because of your ability to be in position late in games you will find yourself being able to make these plays if you just get in a little bit better shape. I bet you somebody said it to him and he took advantage because this year, what I've noticed is like, he does not look where last year late in games where it was like, he would get the dump off and he would go up slow and you'd be like, Oh yeah, he's gassed. Mm -hmm. He's tired at this point Mm -hmm. this year, he's catching it and dunking it late in games. And you're like, Oh yeah, this is huge because even think about it. If you're on the team, do you know how much of a like, relief that is on the offensive end when you can get an easy bucket like that every little once in a while, like just to get, honestly, think about just getting three of those in the course of a half. Like he's gotten obviously at at times double that, but think about just getting three, like him dunking, like dump off passes for like easy dunks or just rebounds that he puts back and dunks like just three. That's yeah. huge. That's yeah. huge. That six points in itself is just like six points that you didn't you have to work as hard for just because you had a guy who was in position like late in games at that point. So I think it's huge for this team. I think he knows it's huge. It's made the difference. I think we've all seen it this year. And so, yeah, hope he keeps that up. Yeah, it's really – first of all, I want to apologize to people that are watching the YouTube of this. Uh, sun's going down in Omaha, so it's a little bit darker in my room. But you got to get a ring light, man. Come on. 
Step up. <laughs> That's true. Jordan's got the setup. Yeah, he's got. The I got the setup now. I couldn't. I couldn't let the let the viewers down. Now you know. He's like a Hollywood uh, podcaster kind of style. No, I just had to show you up. You know, because you're the yeah. scrub. That's and I'm that's, scary. That's I, what I do. I think that's that's fair. We're playing our roles right here. Exactly. See, I'm by by my like scrub ass Wi-Fi and scrub ass lighting. I'm making you look better by default. See? Yeah, this is crazy. I had this like I I came up more in my podcasting space in the last year, and you're supposed to be like the seasoned vet in this game. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. I mean, I just I, I try to keep it simple, and I think that's where I go wrong. Maybe like I don't. Oh, yeah. I just yeah, well, that no, that's good. That's I even good. ditched. I even ditched, ditched the headphones. Remember, like he said, headphones yeah, all the time. I'm like true. these are unnecessary. So I don't even. Yeah, know I have so many different types of headphones and setups now. It just depends yeah. how I'm feeling. It, it'd be like the games where sometimes I would wear a shooting sleeve, sometimes I wouldn't. Did it matter? No. But I just like change it up because I have different options, which is weird too. Because I'm a big fan of the alternate uniforms, yet you're the guy with the alternate like uniforms and podcasting, and I'm the one who just sticks to the white and the blue, basically. So, oh yeah, because I've had I've I've definitely had many alternate podcast spaces we've recorded from. That I'm not even like I'm not even I don't even know if I have a road uniform. I think I just have like a Cowboys one type of uniform, and everybody else has. Yeah, I, you do. I'm 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 trying to be like Oregon, and you're trying to be yeah. like Bama. Which is You're also weird to... because I'm the Oregon fan of the two of us. That's very yeah, yeah, I'm not really fit right? Personality, am I? Yeah, you're the Oregon fan. Yeah, you got to get more gear than I think. You just got to get a bunch of like Oregon gear. Yeah, well, it'll make you more versatile. Give I don't you know. Swag. Well, you you, have, you haven't seen me since the pandemic started in person, but I have like a bunch of Oregon masks that I wear around. The Creighton people, okay. aren't, the Creighton people, don't like them very much because they, you know, it's someone else's gear on their campus, but. It, yeah. you know, I gotta. I didn't want to represent with Creighton gear because that looks like I work for Creighton and I don't. So I wanted to wear mm-hmm. like my own, you know, team. So yeah, it got a little weird when Oregon was here for the NCAA tournament in volleyball. Like you can't wear that. Yeah, shirt Creighton that would now. get weird. I'm like, I won't wear the mask. Yeah, just wear, just wear it when you go watch college football. That's it. Yeah, for sure. Just stick um, to that. But yeah, not to go on too yeah, much of a tangent. Talk I feel though. like the people like the tangent though. I don't know how we got yeah. there. That was fun. Yeah, it's okay. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll make it through. Uh, with Cockburner though, I don't know. It's just I don't know if I expected this in year two. I, I think I knew he was. I did not. Yo, you didn't see that. that I mean, obviously, I, then, I you were high I, obviously, him. obviously, I thought he was like going to be. I did not think he would be this good this early on. I thought it would start to click more towards the end of the year okay but like he's 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 still far ahead of pace in my book that's the one thing i'm curious about like can he i don't know maybe that's over oversimplifying things i'm sure he can get better at some things how much better is maybe the question can he get his footwork it's uh, that's it dude like what it all, all only thing that's limiting him is his footwork because you know what you're starting well well to that point you know what you're starting to see more in these last, he's baby you know, Steven Adams, man. Baby Steven. That's baby Steven Adams. Like, he's going to be like, watch. He's he's like still young. Like once he's grown, oh my gosh. <laughs> but you know what you're starting to see already in the last handful of games? They're starting to hit that lob with him more. Like he his footwork's yeah. getting better because he's setting that screen and there's not like a whole lot of wasted movement, and he's like. He's catching lobs and throwing things down now. So there's still some times where he's still not going up for it, where it's like, come on, Ryan, just dunk the ball. <laughs> hey, we're getting there. We're getting there. He's getting there to be to the point where it's consistent. So 
uh, or guys are looking to it more because Trey had the one to him. Obviously, R2 hits him up with the lobs all every chance he can. So we'll see. I I, I hope he just like get, goes on a tear where he's like, yep, let's just lob city, Cal, let's go. They have, and, they have, and since they've never had anyone with his, like, you know, his, uh, they just never had anybody as big as him and as long as him with his hands. So I'm really curious to see how much they go to that once he gets it. Like once he's like, Oh yeah, this is never getting screwed up. This is he's it's muscle memory. He knows what. The, yeah. Cause they used to run that all the time for Christian Martin, Justin, yep. but you know, those guys weren't built like Ryan Kalkbrenner. So what happens nope. when, when we start running some turn fives? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How often? Hey, Ryan, like how just many, go, get that, just like, go, just go put that kid on your ass and drive him into the baseline and I'll throw you the ball. That's what they, all they need to say to him. Go look at the dude directly guarding you around, drive him backward as fast as you can. I'm going to throw you the ball underneath the basket, dunk that shit and let's go. That's what that that's what needs to be the motto. That's what my motto is going into February. <laughs> I'm gonna count how many calc dunks we can get in February. Yeah, I feel like the dunk. I, that's what I mean. I feel like the dunk frequency is increasing. Needs to degree. ramp up. Yeah, we need to ramp up calc dunks. Calc dunks. I love it. Um, I'll switch gears to the women's game for a second, or uh, uh, and then we'll do some predictions for the first time. I think we should start doing picks on here because yeah, no, we don't put ourselves is, out there I, enough. I feel like. Yeah, I will just, say I do feel like I feel like bad luck for the women, by the way, because like I started like last week I got on here and I was like, you know, giving them their praise and everything. And I was like, yeah, man, they like they don't lose like and then they lost because I said that shit. Well, first of My all, fault. let's just let's just clarify. They they had like five games in 10 days. They won four of those games all by double figures. Uh, well, that's the St. John's game. Yeah. The game, but. Yesterday they just got or Sunday they got job by the refs. Like there's just no other way to put it. Like 15 to they average Creighton averages 15 fouls per game. Okay. That's how much they average. Mm-hmm. They were called mm-hmm. for 15 fouls in the second half alone against Villanova. Makes so sense. and Villanova got whistled for five. So the fouls were 15 to five, free throws were 21 to three, and they lost by 10. So and the thing that makes me like that's that's like frustrating about how obvious that like the screw job was is like normally the easy dismissive argument is like, well, which team was more aggressive? And then usually that the team that gets on the wrong end of the foul disparity, you can see that they shot like 35 or 43s and they weren't really trying to play in the so paint. What was the what was the foul count? What was the foul count? Foul, final foul count was 22 to 11. And final free throw count was oh. yeah it was yeah it was stupid it was real stupid oh yeah okay One of those. and and and, yeah. and Creighton shot only twenty seven threes so like they were playing off the dribble and they were playing in the paint just as much if not more especially when you factor in off the dribble plays than Nova was so why did why did Nova get that much of the benefit of the whistle you know and I felt like that changed the game. It was a one point game going into the final media timeout with like five minutes. Refs left. just love ref. Refs love parody. That's what I think. My biggest takeaway from this is they they can't stand when a team is like actually, you know, on their role. The Big East. That's what you've it said is. this before. You've said like when a team is like I'm, I'm 
too, too, too good, you're like, they humble them a little bit to make mm-hmm. the game even. Yeah. This is a thing. I've noticed it even like when we were good, like where we would go on the road certain years, like where it's like we were undefeated and refs are like, want to make an example that it's like, nope. We're going to show you. It's like, show us what? Like, all year long, the whistle has not been like this. And today, you just want to – obviously, we're not going to win today if you're going to just change it up on us like this. So, mm-hmm. I feel like that's what they were feeling a little bit. So Yeah, because Nova's all of a sudden in the top 100 of the Nets. Like, you know, it's just very convenient. Well, that, yeah, of that, course, right? Yeah, so it's another quality win for Villanova who's trying to make another season, knocking off a of Creighton who's like – that's a quality win for Nova to beat Creighton. But it yeah. was Creighton who was like Creighton went on the twenty-one to three run when you were just letting the game flow, and they were the ones who were up six going into like the break and everything like that. After that twenty-one, like tw- Villanova didn't go on a twenty-one to three run. They didn't have that. They needed, the yeah. whistle was what allowed them to separate. That's what's frustrating. Is like you didn't let the team play that out. It was a one-point game going into the final media timeout. Like I said, with five minutes left, but Nova was in the bonus coming out of the out of the timeout. So they outscored Creighton by nine the rest of the game. It was 10 to nothing at the free throw line. Of So just take – I'm just saying, like, do the math there. Like, how is Creighton supposed to overcome that without just basically hitting every shot they take? It's just not yeah. – like, they're not – what are you supposed to do? Yeah. So, yeah, it's whatever. It's not a bad result for Creighton. Losing, by, losing on the road at Nova is not a bad result, so it's whatever. But it still felt like they didn't get a fair shake, and that would have been, you know – I, I expect that, I guess. And I mean, maybe I should. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, don't. You can't expect fairness ever, especially at Nova. Never, never expect fairness. Yeah. At Nova. It was a very, it was a very like, yeah. Finn, like Nova's not like, a good place to expect fairness. Yeah. It was just very, yeah. 15 to five in the second half is, is. I'm telling you, they, they, they were plotting on Creighton. They were like, <laughs> when can we, when can we mess up their little skills? Yeah. Like, when can we this game? Nova scored 43 points in the second half. 18 of those points came at the free throw line. It's just like, Jeez. That's, that's a joke, in my opinion, you know? Oh. Especially when oh. Tatum Rimbaugh, Rachel Saunders, Molly Mogensen, like all these players who are used to attacking off the dribble that's, are still attacking off the dribble. Yo, and that's the worst. Calls. Those are the worst games to be into, like from experience, like playing in games where you, you're not even losing because another team's like beating your ass. You're losing because they're just slowly killing you at the free throw line yeah oh that's the worst feeling because you're like what can you do you're like we're trying not we're but trying not to foul but you know we got to play defense right like Mm -hmm. i'm confused like so yeah no i i just had a little that gave me a flashback there to like rachel Rachel saunders was like what are you supposed to do man yeah rachel saunders is creighton's best defender and most versatile defender and you know, as they're going up against Maddie Seegers, who's like a 20 and 10 machine, mm-hmm. um, that's a matchup Rachel can handle, even as like a wing, you know? So Rachel picked up her third and fourth fouls on the same possession late in the third quarter, and it basically took her out of the meaningful moments of the game the rest of the way. So it's like now they don't have their number one option to kind of bother Seegers with some physicality mm-hmm. and some speed. And it's just like now Villanova's getting a bunch of offensive rebounds and Maddie Seagrass is living. Maddie, she had Maddie Seagrass had 31 points, and you're like, oh wow, she killed Creighton. But 12 of those came out of the free throw line. So exactly. You know That's I mean? my point. 
Because it's like they can't walk away from that game being like, oh, they killed us here. It's like they didn't, they just made hella free throws. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't even get to shoot any. So it's like, what are we supposed to do? Yeah. Yep. That's the way that's the way that went. So I mean, Creighton went four and one in that. I mean, they five games, ten days, four states. Um, to win four of those games, that's take that's, that. They'll take, take that. They'll take yeah. That. So now they get. Um, I think they're going to take Monday and Tuesday off, get some rest, and they got Providence, the one game against Providence this week, and then they get another tough stretch where they go UConn at home on Wednesday, then they got Marquette on Friday on the road and DePaul on Sunday on the road. So um, this week for them will be like a good little recovery week, and then they'll have one game at home against Providence, a team they already beat on the road, and then they get UConn. And, you know, the interesting thing about – you know, the Big East title race is like UConn was supposed to play South Carolina this week and they already had their game at DePaul postponed due to COVID. Um, but South Carolina decided to hit up UConn and be like, hey, we've already played you and waxed that ass. Can we cancel this game and play our conference schedule and you guys can do the same? And UConn was like, yeah, sure, let's do it because UConn didn't want another butt whooping without Paige. So um, that's what South Carolina was going to give them. So, I mean, it worked out for both parties. Uh like UConn fans will say that South Carolina ducked them, and then South Carolina fans will remind them that you that they already dog walked UConn this year when yeah. they healthy. So like, um, either way, South Carolina win. Yeah, either way, South Carolina is going to play Ole Miss now, and UConn is going to go play at DePaul on Wednesday. So, oh okay, DePaul already has one loss at Marquette. Creighton has two losses. UConn has none. But as it looks more and more likely that twenty games is going to be tough for a few teams at least winning percentage looks like it's going to decide the league title this year. So if DePaul is able to win at home against UConn on Wednesday, that puts UConn at one loss. And then if Creighton holds serve on Friday, that Wednesday game is really interesting because it'll be a two loss in league play Creighton versus a one loss in league play UConn. Okay. Program alert. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, it's set. Program we'll, alert. We'll talk about this on Sunday, depending on how things go. We'll, we'll, I like week. it. But I'm just saying, next Wednesday could be, like, we one, be, one of the biggest games PTP. in Soul Arena history. Like, it might be massive. Because it's a chance to, like, some. play UConn for, like, first place in the Big East, which is, like, prime a dream scenario. Performances. For we might have it. Yeah, exactly. We might have a primetime game to tune into. All right. Exactly. You, you got to – Keep, we gotta keep keep us updated on that one. You gotta you gotta oh, like you send know. out a tweet with the updates for that one. You gotta you know, remind you know me. for sure. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring to your attention though, because I'm pretty sure this is gonna relate to you. Um, DePaul, I mean, they are terrible defensively. They can light up the scoreboard, <laughs> like they're dropping a hundred, and then they figure you can't keep up with that. But they have a freshman who is just like stealing the freshman of the week, Big East Player of the Week award every week. Um, is easily the front yep. runner for freshman of the year and probably in the top two or three for player of the year. If the big East is willing to hand it out to a freshman like they did last year with Paige. but Anissa Morrow had 32 and a half points, 15 boards, three and a half blocks or three and a half steals, two and a half blocks this week. It was against Butler and Xavier. So they're the two worst teams in the league, but she don't ate. matter. She ate. Don't matter. She, she don't matter. Them See, up and I hate, them hate when people I, I would hate when people used to do stuff like that. Like stats like, oh yeah, no, had had this many points against 
the D two team that they played that year. Don't matter. <laughs> I had seven. I had seven points. I had seven points in that game. Okay. All right. Okay. Don't care who it was. It was a college basketball team during college basketball season, and I had points, and they mattered. So her points, all of them buckets in Division One, they yeah. count in the record books, Jeez. and so that is eating. That is eating. Yeah, like but she made she made dinner out of she made lunch breakfast lunch and dinner out of Butler and Xavier this weekend. So shot seventy four percent from the field doing that too. It wasn't like volume scoring. It was like I don't need many shots today. So that's buckets. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if like you heard the last name I said there though. But do you remember Ed Morrow from Marquette from your? I do. Yeah, Ed Morrow. Didn't he? Wasn't baby, he also in Nebraska? It's his baby, it's his ba- yep, it's his baby sister. Yeah. Oh, so she's probably – is she – what position? Uh, she's the center. She's like the five. Oh, so she's point, like like a beast like him. Yeah, she's she's a, she's an animal. Like dominant, like Domin- just, just yes. a, a yes. presence. Okay, okay. My yeah. yeah, an extreme presence. She's only a freshman, okay. so it's like there's – I'm going to have to tune in. I'm going to have to tune in. Yeah, DePaul-UConn this week is going to be interesting because she'll have to – I mean, Olivia Nelson, the daughter for UConn, is like the reigning defensive player of the year in the league, and then – Anissa Morrow looks like the easy call for freshman of the year and possibly even mm-hmm. biggest player of the year. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a, like a marquee matchup that, 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 that position battle right there. So, All right. yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the women's marquee matchup for sure. Let's uh, let's jump into predictions though, and give our picks for these games. Cause we want to, you know, you're a gambling guy. So I figured this just strikes right at the heart at you. And I want you to have, you some want to, okay. Yeah, we got to have some emotional investment to this stuff. That way, let's do it. I feel like it'll be easier for us to own our takes if we have to have. Oh yeah, exactly. Find it for sure. So yeah, I like this. Um, I was actually I was just about to ask you if you what your what your opinion on the Seton Hall St. John's tonight was going to be. I was going to ask if that was obvious or not. Yeah, so we're going to have to get this on the record quick because they're going to tip off, and then people are going to be like, "Well, when did you record this? Mm-hmm. We recorded this before tip off." So right before um, tip. Dude, I just don't know. I don't know if St. John's is going to figure it out. I just think they're good. I think that the Julian Champagny come back to school year is kind of going to get wasted. And they'll probably get to the NIT and he'll forego it just to get ready for the draft, et cetera, et cetera. I can already see it playing out that way. They just don't have any quality wins yet. And I don't know who they're going to beat, you know, like they, they, they had UConn beat, but then they didn't block out the last possession and they, let it get mm-hmm. to overtime. Then they got whipped in overtime. Um, they had Seton Hall at MSG, and they didn't. They played like crap, and they didn't win that one. I, I just don't know what what they're gonna do for. I don't know where their NCAA tournament. I do coming from. Like they gotta beat no. I know you. Time. You want to know what they're gonna do? Well, I can tell you. Struggle. Okay. That's what they're gonna so do. Yeah, you're out on them too, right? Okay. Yeah. No. Seton Hall got it. I got right, Seton Hall tonight. Okay. Easy. So we, both, we both got Seton Hall. All right, so that's on the record now. People will listen to this after that game, but we both said it. We're recording this yeah. before the tip-off. So, um, Next one on the docket for the men's side is DePaul at Nova. I mean, that's another one obvious here, I think. Nova, <laughs> I, I have to lock. ask you because sometimes the – hell, the hell is the spread on that game? I don't know, but you're bold sometimes, so I can't ever take your picks for granted. I got to make sure. Oh, my God. I'll be bold in a game I can be bold about. You can't just give me a DePaul Nova game. It's true. That's, that's, that's a difference between bold and reckless is what you're saying? 
see, like bold would be saying Georgetown over UConn in the next game. Like that could act. That, there's like a legitimate chance that that could happen. Are you gonna? Are you? Are you making that pick? That I'm not. Thing? I'm not at all. I'm not at all making that pick. No. Okay. Yeah, I think, like I said earlier in the pod, UConn kind of stomped Georgetown last year just because everything that Georgetown is good at, UConn's better at. So yep. I have no confidence, despite the fact that I spent the early portion of this podcast mm-hmm. um, talking up Georgetown's trajectory, I don't think they're going to be competitive against UConn. So I'm with you on UConn so far. So, so far, we both we agree on the first three matchups. Providence yeah. at Xavier. That's a fun game. And I, I'm going to go with Providence on that one. So you're going with the road team on that one. Oh, actually, Providence at Xavier. Yeah. Providence <laughs> Providence at Cintas. Providence at Cintas. I'm going to have to actually go with Xavier. Xavier's coming off that loss to Marquette, and I think they're going to want – or who did, was that to Marquette? Yeah. Xavier yeah. lost to Marquette. Yeah. They're coming off that. So, I'm a, yeah, they're going to want to get things turned around. I think they're going to, like, throw their best punch and really try to get a win at home. So, unfortunately, yeah. Providence getting the short end of that. Um, this one's definitely a toss-up game for me. I do. I kind of. I, I agree with your logic that Xavier is probably going to be extra motivated to get one back mm-hmm. after losing to Marquette. I think I'm going to go with Providence though, even though I don't really love Providence either, and I don't really love the way they're playing. Um, I just think they've got a better point guard. No disrespect to Paul Scruggs. Mm. And then I'll take Nate Watson over the current iteration of injured on the men trying to get his rhythm back zach Fremantle. oh yeah i I think that makes a difference i think that does make a huge difference but yeah i'm still i'm still rock with i'll say that i think that is the game right there with Fremantle. and i say he gets it going has like a nice little I'm not even gonna say he's gonna score like that, but I'll say he'll have like a nice little like a like even like an effective 12 to 14 and eight or six and, and and that'll be a good game that'll be enough for them to get get that dub okay yeah I, if if Fremantle gives them 14 and 8 i definitely think you're going to win that one so um next one the Creighton Blue Jays coached by Alan Huss we didn't really talk about Al Huss did we yeah I, I, I kind of i almost brought it up I, yeah i did want to speak on that cuz i almost, i tried to like I was talking about it a little bit earlier with when i was talking about Trey in the press and how that was just a great call by Huss there. But yeah, man, shout out to Coach Huss. I think the year after the COVID year, we forget that he did coach that game last year. Mm-hmm. And he does step in and do a do a great job. You can tell like he embraces that role. I was kind of listening to some of the stuff that uh Trey and uh Ryan were saying after the game yesterday. And like you do like Coach Huss has always given off like head coaching vibes. Like you you could tell he was a head coach before you could tell if he was offered a head coach's job somewhere like he could step into that role like seamlessly and like know how to, you know, conduct a team. Like he, he possesses that ability. And I think when you're with him, the amount that I was with him or that the guys are now, like they see that. And so it's been cool to see him because the guys do want to play hard for him, man. Like it, it's a whole different thing, but like have him there and like, you want to play, like, it's like when you, like, you know, when you get to start like in a lineup, it's like, yeah, you want to play well because, you want to make your coach look good for starting you. And like, they want to make him look good, like as the coach, you know, like, because they just know how much he brings to the table and just having played for him too, man. Like, I just think it's awesome to see him like 
you know, having the kind of control and being able to do his thing and having the guys play as inspired as they are for him. Yeah, the thing that was really interesting in in on Saturday was, you know, last year's game, I'm not trying to take credit away from the job he did to piece that together and get them focused on Butler, but you've got five returning starters, you know, one of your top seven guys in the rotation other than those five is Sharif Mitchell, who played as a freshman. Like, you've got six dudes right there with a lot of college basketball experience at this point. There's only so much Al really needs to really needed to do in that game to get them on point. It was senior day. It was their last home game of their careers. Like, I think that that could be dismissed as more of like a player led through adversity moment. Saturday was different. Saturday, there's a lot of young dudes, a lot of players that even the experienced ones aren't really experienced in these roles. You know, we've told that story about Creighton so far all this year. You understand that. Al had to do more, like, I think he referred to it as button pushing. He had to do a lot more, like, pulling of the strings to get guys on the same page, doing what they needed to be doing. Right. And to change the game, too, because they fell into a hole, right? Like, that whole first half was a struggle. They could, e- they could easily have been all, like, on confidences on zero. They Not the game you wanted match. to play, yeah. What's that? You know, you've seen Rocky Three, right, where Mix in the back, like, dying, and Rocky just gets torched by Clubber, right? Yeah. Like, he needs – you need Mick in your ear to, like, help you through adversity, right? Like, the players – Oh, yeah. Need, it felt like watching the first half of the players needed Mac to tell them, it's okay, we'll be good, keep defending, yep. shots will fall, et cetera, et cetera. All those type of, like, calming – types of pieces of advice that he gives them through, you know, adverse moments. Yep. So for the fact, the fact that Al was able to pull strings and, you know, change things up defensively, throw different wrinkles out there and get the team, you know, playing smarter and more disciplined on the offensive end to flip that game on its head. Like they did. That's, that's some major coaching chops right there. So. No. And that's his thing, man, too. Cause then again, like having played, like for him and just especially his control over the scout team, like in the years I was there, like the, his ability to draw up plays and stuff like and work on the fly. Oh, few, few dudes like that, man. Like he, really? he was really, he could, he could draw up some stuff when we would have scrimmages, man. Like he, he knows his shit, man, just straight up. Like he, he was able to draw so many, like, cause you're trying to give like what he's so good at. Cause when he took like control of just some of the offensive things we were doing, um, a couple of years back. So I want to say it was my junior year. Mm-hmm. He was really good at like even coming up with the offense, like such different offensive looks to try to like throw our defense off. Right. Like even in practice. And so like being a part of those, like I can see like he, how quickly his brain can like, you know, see a defense process it, like know how to attack it, like vice versa too, like see offense, know how to counter it. Like he's really good at those little things. And so I'm glad you brought that up because he does have that impact in practice where he's just throwing different looks out there all the time. Knows so much stuff just has always been on top of it, man. Yeah. So now he's going to take his two and O record and basically flex a little bit. Like he's feeling himself a little, cause he's going to hang. Oh Yeah. He's going to so Max is still go. in protocol, so now he's going to take his luck. In Hustle We Trust, let's get it. <laughs> in Hustle We Trust, he's going to try to go 3-0 and with the next yeah, one. Yeah, we ta- so. we're taking the Hush train on the road. We're taking the Hush train down to, you know, Butler. So would you ever let's dare go. to pick against your boys, like Creighton at Butler, who you got? Oh, no, Creighton. Okay. I think we both – it's hard to pick Butler right now just the way they're playing. So, 
Even yeah, but but watch. I bet you too, and it's gonna be like it's gonna be like a Butler's gonna be like a three point favorite, and Creighton's still gonna win by like eight. You think it's gonna be a three point favorite? Really? That'll be interesting. Uh, I'll say uh, be like a, or like a one point or like a one or two maybe I don't know they'll yeah. be like a favorite by like maybe even not even I don't know I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt right now I think it's gonna be a game I'm not, it's a game I'm interested to see if you actually put money on because I think it's gonna be like a Butler minus one and a half type of line and I'm just gonna see how like if you actually put some money on that because I'll be curious oh, yeah. how confident you are because it is oh, yeah it's it's like the house of horrors mm-hmm. so. We'll see. And we got we got newbies to Hinkle. It's not like it's, it's newbies. Like, got... It's the House of Horror. No Greg yeah. McDermott. Like yeah, it's, yeah. There's a lot of things working against Creighton in this one. Hey, but I, I think I think my <laughs> Ryan Hawkins played in like D D D three gyms. Like all I mean D three D two gyms all over. So I'm like maybe he's used to barnyard gyms. Maybe he okay. Okay. maybe he has an advantage here and go get forty. I don't yeah. know. We'll I mean, the one time Creighton did play in a gym like this, they lit up BYU. So maybe, like maybe Creighton hey, with that. Too. Hey, you're, there's some truth to that. We'll see. Um, next one, Marquette, the hottest team maybe in the country. The roller coaster at Seton Hall in the payback game. <laughs> Seton Hall's smarting from that loss. So what? Who you got, Marquette at Seton Hall? Mm, Marquette at Seton Hall. <sighs> Does the winning streak come to an end? What day is that? I don't even know. I just wrote down the games. <laughs> Hold on, I think I have a day right. I think here. it's uh, what's the twenty. I don't even know Wednesday. why the day. I don't know why the Wednesday. day of the week matters, but it does. It's Wednesday. Why? Yeah. Why does the day of the week matter? Because if it was too late in the week, I was going to say Mar- Marquette's momentum is going to like their their swag going to wear off by then. Oh, if it was too late. Wednesday? No, the swag will be there. It's Wednesday. It's at Seton Hall. At Seton Hall. <clears throat> But Seton Hall's playing tonight too, so they'll only have like a day. Seton Hall's only gonna have a day in between from playing St. John's. Damn it, give me Marquette. I got Marquette keeping the roller coaster on fire. Okay, they are going to come in with their swag. They're gonna be, ah, ah, we beat Nova, we out here, and then they're gonna pull off a road dub, catch Seton Hall lacking. Um, yeah. Because you're kind of down a little bit on Seton Hall too. After I that. am down on Seton Hall after that shit they pulled with DePaul. Okay. Um, I th- I think I'm gonna rock with the Pirates on this one. I just don't think they get swept by Mark. And that's probably a sound. That's a good sound, non-emotional pick. That's good. It depends on if Bryce, Bryce Aikens plays though, because Bryce Aikens didn't play. Yep. The last game, and then Jerry Roden struggled. They were able to beat St. John's like that. I do not think they're beating Marquette with Roden struggling and Aiken out. So, um, is my point. I'm kind of like gonna plug my nose on this one but i think i'm gonna rock with seton hall being like ready to go and cool given, given that i think they're gonna be pissed off enough from the way they lost we gonna the see that they'll they'll wreck we got this I'll, I'll pull the receipts we'll be got we'll, we'll get there okay next one's georgetown at butler butler already whipped them pretty good in dc how do you see the rematch going at hinkle this is the two, this is i came on this i came on this i came on this i came on this podcast Shitting on Georgetown, and I'm gonna bet I'm gonna take them in that game. I'm taking them oh. on the road. I'm gonna believe that's when they can show me something. If they don't win that game, I'm I might not talk about them for a couple weeks. Plot twist. That's my pick. I'm plot, plot twisting. Twist. You know what? You told me they got some heart. I'm gonna believe in them to have some heart. That's my that's my crazy pick of the week. I think that's gonna be well, this, my wildest this is, pick. 
this is going to be some really sicko stuff too, because I spent the first portion of the podcast talking up Georgetown and you were down on them. I'm going to pick Butler to win this one. Cause I don't know. Mm. How, I don't know how Butler loses two in a row or three in a row at Hinkle. Like I just don't. Force, okay. That's tough. All right. I mean, has Butler ever lost three in a row at Hinkle in like their whole? I don't know, lives? but they need a wake up call, and it's gonna be it. Because I already I picked them to lose to Creighton, so either they're losing, they're, either they're beating Creighton. Yeah, no, I Creighton. agree. It's yeah, it's gonna yeah. be one of the two. So okay, so I'm picking them to like save themselves against Georgetown at home because you know people are already on Laval, Laval Jordan's head right now, like because of the way the season's going. If he loses to Creighton and Georgetown this week, eesh, that's gonna get that's gonna get ugly. Um. Xavier at Creighton caveat is it's pink out night or pink out afternoon. Have we ever lost a pink out Matt? Yes, you have like several, even last year too. You keep really, yeah. You lose pink out games like almost too often. I wouldn't say too often. That's not fair. I can recall the losses though. You lost, you lost at home to Providence in 14, 15. Both coaches got teed up in that one, I believe. Um, I wasn't there. Yeah, so. you weren't. That was that was the year. I think that was two years before you. Um, you lost at home to Seton Hall the year after that in a pink out game. I think that was before you as well. You got here in twenty six. So my first my first two pink out games we won, and I I got to play. So I don't think I don't think you personally ever lost a pink out game. I don't think I have. I think because you went. I don't know who you played your first year, but you beat. You beat. Actually, maybe you played Xavier your first year, didn't you? No. Yeah. No, you played Xavier one of the years, but you beat Georgetown. You beat Xavier twice, I think. I don't know who you played first year. Who'd you I play? Who'd you guys but, play but I was undefeated. I was undefeated though. I don't yeah, know. You were. I think you were undefeated. Yeah. So okay, I'm obviously going with Creighton. Pink out, huge, huge, huge uh, home crowd like advantage. Yeah. So they, last not... year they lost to uh, Georgetown in the pink out game at home. Was no crowd, was there? No, limited limited attendance. Exactly. Okay, so you're saying that's the difference there? Exactly. Creighton was worse at home last year than they were anywhere else, weren't they? Because there were no fans. (laughs) It's hard for them to get motivated. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, CU at home, too, because they lost the first game at Xavier, and they probably don't think they should have. And, again, I'm I'm not super high on Xavier anymore, so – I think Creighton. Same. Has, I think Creighton takes care of home court in the pink out game in that one. Um, Marquette at Providence rematch of a game that at one point I think was eighty five to forty nine in Milwaukee. That's how ugly it got. I think that's the worst it got was eighty five forty nine. They ended up winning by thirty four. So Providence, Providence is gonna come with that heat. You don't, they're not. That's, they're the not that's not happening again. They yeah no they got that one circled on the calendar. Um, gosh, that's there's no way Providence is losing the game they lost by 34 the first time, is there? It's not, nope, that's crazy talk, isn't it? Yeah, not if they're seriously trying to like play basketball in the NCAA tournament, like they say they are. Mm-hmm. But here's, here's the problem I'm running into here is if I agree with you on this one, I'm picking Marquette to lose twice this week. Which is basically going to halt all their momentum, essentially, right? So, what am I going to do? You know what the question comes down to is how much of a fluke do I think the first matchup was? Like, yep. 
And I, just I don't. I, just, I think it was very fluky. Like you, think was, you think it was fluky? Because it wasn't like Providence has it has not been that bad since. Uh I will have they? I will send well since Who? no, but I will send you film of the Virginia tape. No, no, that one I, I They've agree. Been... But since I'm saying since. Okay. No, since they have bad. shown me bad. I have seen bad. Okay. Like even when they were like number one, like coming into conference play, I was like, yeah, no, I've seen bad. But since then. I don't know. And Providence is one of those teams where I'm like, yeah, once they find their groove, dangerous. Not it. And I don't think they found their groove yet, but I think this is the beginning of how you find it. I I, I think I'm going to stick with Marquette on this one. Oh, I, I'm going to pick Marquette. See, we did just... have a lot of – we had a lot of conflict today. This is good. We usually don't have well, so that's... much conflict. That's, <laughs> that's good for – I feel like that's good for business. Okay, maybe. Um, we'll see how the records pan out, but – we will. Yeah, I'm just going to go. I just don't think – I don't think the first game was a fluke. I just don't. I think – which is interesting, too, because I guess that they've already had 30-point swings. Or I guess Nova Creighton was a 55-point swing, wasn't it? Right? Mm-hmm. 54. Nova won by 34 and lost by 20. So, I guess that there is, pre- there is precedent for a swing like that, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Yeah. Stylistically, though, I feel like Mark, the way Marquette plays, it like it feeds into. You don't think Cooley gonna use that shit too? He's gonna be like, I don't see what matters. see what Crane see Crane. You know, like they beat they beat Nova by this, and then this was Nova came around and whooped them by this much. Yeah, that's what we need to do here tonight. Yeah, right, the difference right. there with Creighton Nova the first time was that didn't get out of hand until like the under eight timeout. Marquette right. and Providence got out of hand like the under four first half timeout. Like that's when Marquette right, started right. beating their yeah. ass. So there's a long, larger sample size of an ass whooping that I feel like is not going to be um, corrected enough to change the winning team's feeling on that. So I'm going to stick with Marquette. I just, that was too much of a, All right, man. Too much of a whooping. All right. All right. Uh, two more on the men's side St. John's at Nova. Basically, this is like one of Nova's St. John's last ditch efforts to Nova next. So you're just you're you're just handing L's to St. John's everywhere, aren't you? St. John's will win. Like they'll get DePaul. They'll get. They already they already beat DePaul once, so that doesn't that's not not doing anything for them. Maybe Georgetown. Like <laughs> you're just like they're just gonna beat the Butler. Hey, did you didn't say they were playing Butler? That's true. Uh, basically, Butler. all you're saying is like St. John's is gonna be the best of the worst teams in the league, is what you're saying. Yeah, they're not beating Seton Hall and they're not beating Nova, so no. Okay. Uh yeah, I, I mean I sold you out there on the front, but I'm agreeing with you. I don't, I don't think <laughs> they're not making the tournament this year, they're not beating Nova, so no. Yeah. Uh last one, UConn at DePaul. Not a tough one in UConn. <laughs> UConn's gonna lose to somebody they shouldn't, though. Like I feel like they're dumb. they will, they will, and that might so the question be is this who is because is. they're done with Butler. They're done with Butler already, and Handle they've that. already they've already escaped like they've already escaped the loss to St. John's. I feel like if it was gonna happen, it would have already it would have happened the way it was going down in stores, but they survived that one. So I don't think they're gonna lose the second one. So that's St. John's and Butler off the list. They've already beaten Marquette on the road. Like who's left for them to lose to that they shouldn't lose to? 
He lost to Providence at home, too. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think it's DePaul either. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's a tough one to pick, like picking DePaul to beat UConn. How about, how about, how about like a caveat? If David Jones and Javon Freeman literally both play in that game, I'll pick. Oh, okay. I'll take. Okay. Okay. If if there's a caveat. All right. I like it. One, if one is out, I'm not doing it. But if, if both of them play. It's like a prop bet. I like that. It's a prop bet. Like it's a, you have waging circumstances. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Here's where it's going to be really fun because you're just going to shoot blind into like the darkness right here. We're going to pick the, we're going to pick the women's side. So we'll see how like. We're going to see how Speed much round. grasp of the standings you have here. Watch. Um, St. John's know, at Georgetown. I... St. John's. Okay. Good start. I'm with you on that one. UConn at DePaul. The marquee matchup I set up for you earlier. UConn. Ooh, yeah. Oh, he abandoned shift already. Remember what I said? What happens if DePaul wins that game? I'm, a... I'm going to go with. No, no, I know. I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't wait. No, I didn't pick that yet. I didn't pick UConn yet. Okay. I'll say that. Okay. So just, you know, AZ Flood isn't back yet. Paige Beckers isn't back All yet. All right, I'll go with DePaul. And Kristen I'm gonna Williams go with DePaul. for UConn. I'm going to go with DePaul. Is... I'm going to go with DePaul on that one. Okay. I'll, I'll rock right. with DePaul. I, I, I sent something in the air that says DePaul. <laughs> I'm going to do the same too. A little bit of head, a little bit of heart. Uh, I think DePaul's got a lot of firepower and – like being at home, they'll know what that game is, how important that game is. UConn's not at their best right now. And also, I just want to see UConn come to Omaha, like with one loss separating them and creating in the standings. Just because like that game is going to be like, I just want to see how hyped Soho gets if that's what goes Word. down. So I'm going to try to will that into existence by picking DePaul as well. Um, Seton Hall at Marquette. Seton Hall won the first matchup by 16. Late run in the fourth quarter separated them. Seton Hall. Seton Hall again? Okay. Yeah. That one's a tough pick. I'm gonna go with Marquette though. But that one's that one's kind of like that one's kind of a toss-up. So I don't I don't you haven't made anything that opened my eyes just yet. Like, oh man, he's gonna regret that one. So you're off to a and I'm gonna stand on my picks too. I'm gonna stand on them. Yeah, you're off to a good start so far. An an educated guest start, is what I'll say. There we go. Uh Butler at Nova. This one could get ugly for you if you picked the wrong one. <laughs> so Butler at Nova? Yeah. I, I mean, oh, no. I could, uh, could be, it could be Butler versus Nova in your driveway. I don't even know if it matters. <laughs> Nova. Yes, yeah, good call. Butler is like yeah. one of the worst teams in the entire country. Oh, okay. Good to so, know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how you know. Uh, Xavier at Georgetown. This one's a tough one, too. I don't even know which one I'd go on this one. Hmm. Xavier. Ooh. No. No, you Georgetown. can't. I'm gonna why go you Georgetown. Pulling, why you, why you can't pull the line back? No, um, I'm going to Georgetown. Yeah, I'm trying to think about this matchup. They're both like they're both two of the three worst teams in the league right now. I guess Butler's the worst, so these two are like 10 and 11, or 9 and 10, I should say. Mm-hmm. Where am I going with this? I'm a, yeah, I think the home team takes care of it. Georgetown has good enough guards to make a difference, and they play really good defense. So, all right, see, I'll, I'll rock with you on that one. Come, th- these thoughts come to me for some reason. <laughs> all right, here's a tough one: St. John's at DePaul. 
<clears throat> two awesome offenses. Two DePaul. awesome offenses and two terrible defenses, actually. To Paul. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on that one. Actually, wait. Leilani Correa is back for St. John's. So is Raven Peoples. You know what? I'm gonna go with St. John's on that one. I think they get that one back. Right. First one was like the first game was 107, like 93. It was a ridiculous. It was like an NBA game. See? <laughs> like, like the big East women's college crystal ball. All right, a few more. We got like five more to go. Providence at Creighton. Creighton won the first match up by 15 or so at Providence. Creighton, though. Same. Do what they do. I'm with Creighton as well. Marquette at St. John's. Marquette. Okay, interesting. I'm going to go with St. John's. Butler at Georgetown. Georgetown. Yeah, same. I'm not picking Butler to win anything ever. Oh, I got Georgetown on a three-game win streak. Is that really where I'm at? Do we? Yeah, they who they yeah, they just beat Providence, right? I yeah. got them, I think. But I mean, but I mean Providence is like the <laughs> we have them like we have them on a three-game win streak, but against the three other worst teams in the league. So they're Fair. just hold, they're just holding home court is what they're doing. Uh DePaul at Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Interesting. Yep. I'm just going with my gut feelings here. I don't know. I I have no, I have no, like, I couldn't tell you why. I'm just telling you what I'm telling you. Hey, the other team can defend, and Nepal's got a better offense. So we just talked about it. All right. So player on their side. I'm going to go with DePaul. You got got Seton Hall on that one. Uh, UConn at Providence. UConn. Don't, Don't think too hard about this one. Yep. Yeah. And last one, Xavier at Villanova. Nova. Good call. I think you made some pretty smart picks there. I think you'll be – Yeah, buddy. I think you'll be impressed with your results at the end of the week. Watch my women's – my women's record's going to be more accurate than my men's. <laughs> now, that would be pretty funny. I would I would, I would, would agree with That's that. That's what's going to end up happening. Watch. This is how my life works. I know it. <laughs> you have to start finding those betting lines for the women's games. They're out there. They're out there. So we'll see if you can find them. I might as well. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in, Jordan. It was a pleasure wasting time with you talking some Big East hoops as always. Hey, man. You're my favorite way to waste time is with you, Matt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, So you have yourself a good night. Everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Um, Yeah, we'll talk to you all next week and see how smart our picks were. Have a good week.